you a real know-it-all? Do you annoy your family by shouting the answers while watching Jeopardy? Do you drive people crazy when you start a sentence with, well, actually? Well, guess what? You can go fact yourself. to Go Fact Yourself, the show where we take the smartest people we know and make them look dumb. And then smart again. I'm Helen Hong, and now from Caveat in New York City, here's our moderator, J. Keith Van Stratton. Thank you, everyone. Oh, my gosh. Thank you, New York City. Thank you, Helen Hong. Helen, how are you? I'm very well, J. Keith. I'm excited to be in my hometown of New York. Well, you are from here originally. I am from here originally. I uh, went to Catholic school in Flatbush, Brooklyn. I also went to a different Catholic school in Flushing, Queens. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh pe- wow. people enjoy the Flushing, Queens Hello. Catholic schools more than the Brooklyn ones. Yeah, apparently yeah. they're higher quality. Yeah. yeah. And uh, and what have you been up to since our last recording? Uh, well, after 13 years of stand-up comedy, Jay Keith, for the very first time, my parents came to see me on stage. Oh. So they, they still want you to be a lawyer, I guess, yeah, Well, right? they, they've thought, they've been thinking that I'm an orthodontist for oh. all that time, and uh, now they just think I'm a very funny orthodontist, yeah. so yeah. it was great. Uh, my, my father and his wife are actually in town. Uh, they are not here today because apparently I forgot to mention it. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Awkward. Yeah. But, but they are seeing My Fair Lady, so... <laughs> Which I, to be honest, I think, I think they might enjoy more than good. the show. <laughs> we, we, we have a wide demographic, but I don't know if, if the 83-year-old musical theater lovers are exactly uh, are in our audience. Wow. But today on Go Factor Yourself, yeah. two guests will compete to answer questions about facts they know, facts they might not know, and frankly, facts they should know. Plus, we'll meet actual experts on two very different topics. And finally, we'll declare one of our guests the winner of today's show. Let's get started and meet today's guest. Helen, who is up first? She is a fashion stylist, New York Times best best-selling author, and for 10 seasons, host of What Not to Wear, it's Stacey London! Stacey London! Stacey London! Hello! So, Stacey, who are you wearing? Um, Oh, my God, is that the first question? (laughs) Um, I'm wearing a jumpsuit from a store that's actually right around the corner from here called The Frankie Shop. It's sh- she's so stylish, even at yeah. brunch time, because we're recording this at noon on a Saturday, even in daylight hours. Stacy is just so stylish. I will also say that I'm very hungover. <laughs> <laughs> so bear with me. That makes three of us. <laughs> uh, now, by the way, you actually know Helen and have for many years. Tell us about that. I do know Helen. I know Helen before Helen was famous. I know Helen when Helen used to yell at me and tell me what to do. Yeah. Yeah, see, uh, Stacy has known me even before I started stand-up comedy mm-hmm. because I had a past life, J. Keith, believe it or not, what? as a TV director and producer. And what did you direct and produce? What, what not, not to, to wear. wear. What? And I have the best. I have the best story about Stacy. So, the, so the day I uh, met Stacy, which was my first day on my new job directing What Not to Wear, and Stacy takes one look at me and then looks at the executive producer and goes. Can we do an episode for the staff? <laughs> wow. And I was like, girl, it's I was on. so welcoming. I was so excited. <laughs> but to be fair, Stacey, I was wearing some horrific, I think I was wearing like a pink corduroy jean and something equally like nauseating on top. So in retrospect, you were absolutely in your right. Right, but I'm sure you felt really good about it at the time. (laughs) I'm sure you thought, I'm going to be really excited to boss that around. (laughs) 
Does it ever turn off like when you when you're when you're looking at other people? Do you ever no, not it really realize? does now. Okay. I have to tell you, I'm like you know Stacy 3.0. Oh. Like you, you know, whereas Helen is like a big star now, and sure. in many past lives she was a director. Um, I don't really like telling people what to wear anymore. Okay. I like to be a guide more than like you should. Mm -hmm. I like to talk about you can mm. and you could, mm -hmm. right? It, it, depending on, on what you want out of life. What I've really discovered is it doesn't really matter how much you tell somebody to do something unless they want to do it. Mm. If they want to do it, then they still have to find it organically. I'm just there like guardrails, but they have to choose the color and the make of the car they're going to drive. I just love Whoa. the image of you as fashion guardrails. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, the like bumper, bumper cars, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm that thing that's like, no, don't hit here. <laughs> yeah. That's the wrong spot. You're like, George, you're going off a cliff. Right. Yeah. But you're, um, in recent years, you are have been actually like sending a message of women's empowerment and and just, uh, you know, self-love and, and... Yeah, I mean, I agree with that. I think, I God, I hope it's not just the last few years. I think it came <laughs> off that, you know, in the show that I was a lot harsher than I actually am. I think that it it also progressed. The show itself got became more kind over time. But, and compassionate but I think that um, that's also that definitely got me started on that road of like wow you really can empower people through style you don't have to make them feel like crap you can actually make people feel great about themselves mm -hmm. and that's definitely something that I took away with the show and have sort of taken with me whatever I've done since uh, Helen mentioned that you had a, a New York Times best-selling book and you have another one coming up I do well, hopefully will be New York well, Times best-selling I'm writing it it's called The Evolutionary Woman and it is about aging well uh, mm. particularly, obviously, for women. Um, and, and at this moment in history, it's a very interesting time to be aging. I mean, mm. we, we are in the middle of this you know, shift between the Industrial Revolution and the Digital Revolution, and all of the rules for women are changing, really, in the midst of all of this. And you know, I think it needs to be addressed. I mean, I hate to be that woman who's like, oh, I'm middle-aged, so I'm going to write about middle-aged, but guess what? That's how I know about it. So it seems like a really good time to talk about it as our lifespans get so much longer. Yeah. What are we going to do with all this time in the middle? I mean, I think women need to redefine, redefine what um, you know men refer to as a midlife crisis. I think we should refer to it as midlife renaissance. Yeah, and buying oh. a Ferrari. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. So what? Yeah. What, buying what buying a Ferrari just won't cut it for us. Ladies. Well, no, actually, it will. But that's like <laughs> on top of being like, I'm cool if I have a Ferrari or not. <laughs> Excellent. Well, we're certainly happy that you joined us tonight. Thank you, Stacey so much. London, ladies and gentlemen. Helen, against whom will Stacy be competing? He is a comedian who can be seen several times a week as a host of HQ Trivia. It's Scott Rogowski. Scott Rogowski. Hi, Scott. Hello, Hi. Scott. Hello. Welcome. Scott, you're also looking very fashionable. You know. In your uh, tropical I knew that's, Hawaiian shirt. Yeah, I knew that Stacey was going to be on the show. I wanted to wear my best shirt, so here I am. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, now, Scott, HQ Trivia is, is, is sweeping the nation. There's millions of people play it at a time. What, what, what's been the maximum amount of people that you've had watching uh, one of the shows that you've hosted? We had 2.4 million tuning in live for an episode with uh, The Rock. I co-hosted with Dwayne Johnson. Oh, what? Oh, I love him so much. You love him? Oh. I love him, too. He is a He's sweetheart. Mm -hmm. He's pretty great. I'm so jealous. And uh, who are some of the other celebrities that you've been able to work with on HQ? Oh, boy. Um, we had Robert De Niro stop by stop for a little it. cameo. Yes. <gasps> okay, I'll stop. That's, wow. I'll stop there. <laughs> Helen, please, I'm asking him a question. We had John Mayer co-host with me. 
And wow. uh, how was that? That was cool. Really? Yeah. I mean, he he was. <laughs> Stacy seems surprised. Again, for me, because he plays with the Grateful Dead now. Oh yeah. right. Uh, it's led to some great opportunities. You actually recently did something very cool that I know is that you wanted to do uh, regarding baseball yes. and the All Star game. <clears throat> yes. Yes. Uh, ever since I was uh, a little boy of twenty eight, I <laughs> I wanted to participate in the celebrity softball game that's part of the Major League Baseball All-Star game. You know, I, they, ha- they have this every year for the Major League Baseball All-Star game, which just happened this past week, they have like a futures game, which is the minor leaguers that they play, and then a celebrity and legends game with former big leaguers and celebrities. Four years ago, I tweeted, I want to be just famous enough to get to celebrity softball level fame. Like that's, I- I'll be happy to get to that point. And this year, I got to that point. I uh, was invited to play. And it was, yeah, in D.C. on Sunday night. It aired Monday night on TV. I went two for three. I pitched against Shaquille O'Neal. Wow. You know? Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Big strike zone there. But yeah, he, he took up the whole plate. Yeah. But you know Shaq from the general commercials and the Buick commercials. <laughs> <laughs> and the Icy Hot Icy commercials. Hot, yeah, yeah, I was going to say Icy Hot, sure. Yeah. Radio Shaq, I think, mm, yeah. also. Uh, I'm going to say Pepsi. Uh, yeah. It was uh, a thrill. The I'm general sure was there also. And there the Penguin. Somewhere. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> now you and I have have, uh, have something in common, which is that uh, we have both hosted talk shows in theaters. Mm-hmm. I did mine in L.A. for a long time, and you currently are doing one in New York. Yes, running late with Scott Rogowski. We uh, we're taking a little summer break right now, but we'll be back in the fall in New York, and I'm going to Montreal this week f- uh, for Just for Laughs with that show. Oh, wonderful! You know, at the eighty seat theater was as opposed to John Mayer's you know two thousand seat <laughs> yeah. theater, but. <laughs> Who are some of the guests that you've had on your live talk show? Oh, my goodness. Well, not me. Well, I've been trying to get you, Stace. <laughs> I guess your, your person said you were unavailable. My yes. person. Your persons. Yes. Persons. Yes. Your this team. Is all, this is all an elaborate team. stunt to get you to book uh-huh. <laughs> for, for Scott's show. Now, who are some of the folks that, uh, uh, that, have, well, that have gotten back to you on like, yeah. Stacey's Peoples? No, but you know what? To Stacey's great. It takes... I mean, look, celebrities are busy. Mm-hmm. You're writing a book. You're having I, surgery. Yeah, you're... but I don't even... Get, that's right. I did. Yeah, I would, Scott and I were just talking backstage about the fact that I had pretty massive spine yeah. surgery that kind of took me out of the game for a second. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, that's still no excuse not to invite me back. <laughs> <laughs> September 20th. Spine book. surgery, right. schmine But I had, I had um, Paul Rudd on the last one with David Cross and Nico Case mm. all on the same show. That was wow. crazy. Wow. Yeah. Dan Rather, Michael Ian Black, John Hamm. Uh, I would be on with Amy him. Amy Sedaris. Yeah? You want to yeah. go on with John? Yeah. I mean, is there anybody in this audience who wouldn't go with John Hamm? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we're, very, we're very happy to have you. It's yeah. Mr. Scott Rogowski, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. All right. We asked each of you to provide us with a few topics outside your field of work in which you feel you have expertise. Stacy, you what? said you know a lot about the best desserts in New York City. I do. The movie Tootsie. I do. And this will go with those. French existentialism. It's true. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about each of those. Uh, first, you said you know a lot about the best desserts in New York City. Yeah, so I am um, a tried-and-true sugar addict, and New York is one of the best places to get desserts in the first place. Mm-hmm. I will tell you the one area in which I have no expertise in those desserts, uh, we were talking about backstage. Anything flan-related, uh, panna cotta, that consistency does not sit well with me. Mm. And mouthfeel is everything when it comes to desserts, mm. so that one's out. 86 the flan. The 86 the flan. Oh. Um, I'm, I'm lactose intolerant. 
intolerant, so it literally doesn't sit well with me. Right. (laughs) (laughs) In Tootsie, you know, 80s movies in general, I mean, this is like what I was brought up on. That movie in particular is just so remarkable and so wonderful. Also, like, a little weird in in light of all of the Me Too allegations. It it, it changes the game Mm -hmm. a little bit in the way you think about it. Yeah, Dabney Coleman, not so cute anymore. Well, Dabney Coleman wasn't cute (laughs) in 9 to 5 either. That's true. Right? He was a lion. He's the man you love to hate. That was his brand. The same character in You've Got Mail. Right. Yes. So, um, and French existentialism. Well, so uh, if any of you know that I went to college uh, for German existentialism, German philosophy, literature, and psychology, thank you. Give it up for the Deutsch. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Um, You'll know why I didn't go with the French. (laughs) So I'm. You didn't go with the German. I went with the Germans and I left the French behind. I started reading German existentialism, French existentialism when I was in high school, actually, maybe junior high school. And um, when I got to college, I quickly realized that the French stole everything that they decided to do from the Germans. So I just went back and did the Germans because they're so dark anyway. But the French, I thought would be fun and, and more interesting to make fun of today. It, <laughs> That's why we stuck at that. At least they had better desserts. Yeah, I guess so. Although, guys, I mean, I don't oh. know. German chocolate cake, German. the density in Ooh. German chocolate cake. Yeah. Now, that's pretty good. The and black I forest say, cake. Yeah, the black, black forest cake. Yeah. If, you know what? If I had known this is what existentialism was, I would have studied it. Yes. I, didn't, I didn't realize it involved dessert. Dessert. Uh, Scott, you said you know a lot about the TV show Seinfeld, Woody Allen movies. And, and Judaism. And, okay. Yeah. Uh, I, have, I have down here, though. Uh, I sense a theme. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. We could have just yeah. covered those under the umbrella yeah. of Judaism. Yeah. Right. Uh, Curb your enthusiasm. Yeah. yeah. What's the third uh, one? The third one was minor league baseball from uh, 1994 to 2002. Yeah, and specifically defunct minor league baseball teams. Michigan Battle Cats, Ottawa oh. Lynx, Greensboro Bats, Norwich Navigators. Tell us a little <laughs> about each of those topics. Uh, you said you know a lot about first the TV show Seinfeld? Well, yeah, TV show Seinfeld. I mean, I grew up uh, in the era of must-see TV. <laughs> And, uh, you know, Seinfeld, it's, it's beyond just a TV show. I mean, his stand-up act, and um, I'll just leave it there. I mean, the Comedians in Cars is all right, but... Uh, oh! No, it's fine. Damn! It's fine. it's fine. It's fine. I will say that I, 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 I think I guess I liked it better when he was... And I do like the show, fine, but I thought it was great when he was talking to gen- people he genuinely was friends with and he had relationships with, and now, you know, the early seasons, and now it's like he's just, they're just going through the phone book. Calling up people. Like, we got to yeah. fill this episode order. Yeah. Well, maybe but, they got to R. Yeah, maybe. Huh? maybe. Yeah. Uh, Scott, you also said you know a lot about Woody Allen movies. Well, you know, it's all this neuroses and the. I just, I mean, Annie Hall is the best. And I mean, Stardust Memories in Manhattan and Crimes and Misdemeanors is one of my favorites. I mean, don't ask me about uh, Magic in the Moonlight, okay? Or uh, Cassandra's Dream or mm-hmm. <laughs> September. I mean, the lesser known. Films. But you still know them, and well, I find yeah. that really impressive. You should know them and then. In, 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 to know, to not to watch them. That's the, that's the reason you should what know, not know to them watch. to avoid. What, what not, not to watch? watch. Yeah, exactly. Know them to avoid them. And, and then, Annie Hall had the best styling, right? All Ralph yeah. Lauren. So good. It was like that was the birth of like men's fashion for mm. women. That's what I was paying attention to at the time. <laughs> and not the killer Scott, gags. Finally, yeah. Scott, you said you know a lot about minor league baseball from 1994 to 2002. Yeah, I mean, again, that's my sweet spot. You know, when I when I was coming of age, and and like I. I Baseball is the true love. You ask for specificity, so um, major league, minor league, it's all there. But minor league, I just was always obsessed with the prospects, the guys coming up. 
You know, the guys playing at the major league level were okay. It's cool. But I wanted to know who was coming up in two, three years from now. So I was just like getting their, their minor league cards and reading Baseball America and looking at the statistics. Top 10, the top 10 prospect list was my favorite. Because every team had these top 10 lists, top 30 lists if you wanted to go deeper. And you could see this guy was signed at the Dominican when he was 16 and he's playing, you know, at the Visalia, California <laughs> League. And he's batting 315. Oh, wow, with 16 home runs. And you could like track these guys. Most of them never make it. But I loved knowing, you know, Carlos Fables could be the shortstop of the future for the Royals. Didn't quite pan out. But <laughs> Carlos Fables will always have a place in my brain. All right. Well, later on, we'll ask you some in-depth trivia questions about one of those topics. But first, we're going to get your thoughts on something you might know nothing about. It's time to split some hairs with our What's the Difference round. We'll have one question for each of you, each worth up to two points. If either of you gives an incorrect answer, the other person has a chance to take away some of those points. Your subjects today, Manhattan. Up first is Stacy. Oh, God. Here we go, Stacy. <laughs> okay. While either can get the job done, what is the difference between a Manhattan and an old-fashioned cocktail? A Manhattan has vermouth, and an old-fashioned has uh, orange bitters, orange peel, and cherries. Okay, wow. we have some wow. We have some light golf clapping. Uh, we got a drinker. They, they both have bourbon. They do. They, okay. uh, and you can also make them with rye. Yes. I can tell you the difference between Orangina and Squirt. <laughs> we'll see if that is a topic we're asking you about. Uh, all right, we have Stacy's answer. We don't know yet if she is correct. Scott, if you don't think she's got it exactly right, you can try to steal. What do you think? I mean, I'm, I'm going to trust her alcoholic habits here. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, okay. Yes. That's it. All right. Well, this she segment... didn't mention she was hungover, so I'm sure she had. <laughs> yes. That's actually yes. true. Th this show God. does often double as an intervention. I should oh, point wow. out. Uh, all right. Well, this segment is on the rocks. Let's go to Helen Hong at the judges' table for the facts. Here are the facts. Both a Manhattan and an Old Fashioned are whiskey cocktails with bitters, but three things make them different. The sweetener, the glass, and the garnish are what make them different. A Manhattan is made with sweet vermouth and served in a stemmed cocktail or martini glass garnished with an orange peel. An Old Fashioned is sweetened with sugar and is served in a tumbler called an Old Fashioned Glass and garnished with a cherry, traditionally a brandied cherry. Helen, what does that mean as far as our scoring goes? Uh, I think, Stacy, you're going to get one point because you got half a point for the Manhattan and the vermouth, and then you got half a point for the cherry in the Old Fashioned. You didn't quite get the sugar versus orange peel thing, uh -huh. but I'm going to give you one point. Yay! You're uh, winning. I'm winning. Out of how many possible points? Out of a possible two I know. Uh, oh, okay. oh, out of two. Yes. Okay, okay so now... Uh, all right, up next in our topic of Manhattan, Scott. Mm. Scott, while they are both disgusting, what is the difference between Manhattan clam chowder and New England clam chowder? The difference is that in the movie Ace Ventura, <laughs> the password is New England clam chowder. Is that the red or the white? So, yes, the New England clam chowder is a cream-based... I think with like a bacon larder, which I found out very late in life, growing up in a kosher home, that was a major shock to me. <laughs> you know, you got your oyster crackers, your chunks of potato and mm -hmm. clam. While the Manhattan is a more of a liquid broth, red, speckled, <laughs> with some kind of uh, cayenne or paprika oil, some kind of oil that g gives it that coloring, some kind of Old Bay <laughs> sauce, <laughs> mm -hmm. spice. Mm -hmm. That is, you know, you don't really find it in Manhattan very often, Scott's which is strange. Scott's just going to say all the words. Yeah. Are, are you done? I might be. Okay, great. Uh, all right, we have Scott's answer. We don't know yet if he is Shout correct. out. Shout out. 
Stacy, Stacy, if you don't think he's got it exactly right, you can try to steal. What do you think? Uh, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm going to try, but I'm not sure that I'm right mm-hmm. here. I just think that the uh, red-based broth might be tomato. Mm-hmm. I'm, oh. That's just a guess. Oh. I'm not really. It's unclear oh, to yeah. me. Okay. I think, I think there's some momentum building for your guess. If it's dyed by paprika. Yes. Or it is, in fact, tomato-based. But, it, but you way. are saying tomato. Well, I think that... I'm yeah. saying tomato. Okay. <laughs> Let's call the whole show off. Uh, <laughs> all right. It is time, it is time to clam say. up on this segment. Let's go to Helen Hong at the judges' table for the facts. Here are the facts. While there are variations on how any chowder is made, the main differences are Manhattan clam chowder contains tomatoes but not cream. New England clam chowder has no tomatoes but does have cream. That's right. Also, New England clam chowder is pronounced chowder. Right. Yeah. Chowder. Chowder. Uh, by the way, chowder. there also is a Long Island clam chowder. I'm not making this up. Since Long Island is between Manhattan and New England, it contains both tomatoes and cream. That sounds Oh, disgusting. nauseating. Yes, I agree. Uh, let's uh, talk about happier things. Helen, what are our points in that segment? I think, Scott, you got one point for the cream in the New England clam chowder. And Stacy, you got a point for the tomato oh. in the Manhattan. Ooh, I see what you did there. Stacy with a steal out the gate. What Stacey does that mean as far as our scoring at the end of that round? At the end of that round, Stacey London has two points and Scott Rogowski has one point. Those scores are Fair bound enough. to change as we move on to questions about topics our guests have chosen for themselves. It's all up ahead when we come back on Go Fact Yourself. And now a word from our sponsor. Helen, we're in New York, and you know what that means? Uh, hooking up with my ex. Okay, uh, I was thinking theater. Oh. Oh, and uh, if you love theater, you'll love ShowScore, the one-stop shop for theater lovers. They list all the shows playing in New York on Broadway, Off-Broadway, and beyond, all the reviews from critics and members, all the prices, including discounts, lotteries, and fees, all in one place. Wow, how can I keep track of it all? Well, you track the shows you want to see by creating a wish list, and twice a month, ShowScore's fairy stage mother will grant one lucky member's wish and provide them two tickets to a show on their list. Two tickets? So maybe I can take my ex. Helen, let it go. How do I join ShowScore? Membership is free and fast. All you need is an email address or Facebook login. Go to ShowScore.com. That's Show-Score.com and become a member for free today. ShowScore. By theater fans. For theater fans. Thank you, ShowScore. Hello, Internet. I'm your husband host, Travis McElroy. And I'm your wife host, Teresa McElroy. And together we present Schmanners. It's extraordinary etiquette. For ordinary occasions. We explain the historical significance of everyday etiquette topics, then answer your questions relating to modern life. So join us weekly on MaximumFun.org or wherever podcasts are found. No RSVP required. Check out Schmanners. Manners, Schmanners. Get it? Welcome back to Go Fact Yourself, where our score is Stacey London with two points and Scott Rogowski with one point. Once again, here's J. Keith Van Stratton. Thank you, Helen. Thank you, everybody. Stacey London, of your many interests, you told us you know a lot about the best desserts in New York City, the movie Tootsie, and French existentialism. Today, we want to talk to you about the best desserts in New York City. Thank God. Yes. (laughs) You seem very relieved about that. No, actually, I'm very excited about all of it. You tell me. All right. Well, this Fre- is the one. Fre- we- I was, I was like French existentialism. Oh boy. Yeah. I don't think I thought that meant painting. 
<laughs> well, there is existentialist art. Right. By um, French people? Some by French people. Okay, thank you very much. Okay, Let's talk about this then. now. Uh, no, tell us a little bit more. Now, how, uh, your, your tastes have changed, you said, over the years. Yeah, my tastes have changed really just because um, I stopped eating all of those things for boring reasons, like intolerance, blah. I do not even want to go there. But the thing is, there are still amazing desserts in New York City, even if you need gluten-free or vegan or kosher. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I mean, just looking at you. Looking you, at me you because you're well. I mean, because I look kosher. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so but, you know, before that, there wasn't anything I didn't eat, and mm. my particular preference for desserts is that they absolutely must be desserts. Like, mm. I am not interested in weird flavored ice cream like ricotta and black pepper. I'm sorry, that's just not. I would eat ricotta cheese with some black pepper mm. if that's what I wanted. Mm. When I want ice cream, I want ice cream. And I, I'm still into interesting flavors, but I don't like savory desserts. Agreed. I'm they with have you. to be sweet I'm with you. or I'm not interested. Agreed. So, like, honey lavender? I'm all for it. Why not? Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Ginger? But garlic? No. No, thank Olive you. oil? No. Although yeah. olive oil cake is Excellent. Mm. Uh, do you think there's something about New York that lends itself to more innovative desserts or to, to better quality of desserts than other places? Well, I think New York, like a lot of you know cities like L.A., San Francisco, I mean, we have a pretty robust food scene mm-hmm. here. I think that people, you know, you come to New York for lots of reasons. I mean, I know people who come to New York to be in fashion, right? Mm-hmm. There are a lot of people who come to New York to be in food. And it's one of like the most, you know, sort of amazing places because there are just so much... So many variations of everything. Um, so, yeah. I mean, I think it is it is a particularly great place to be adventurous when it comes to food. It's a pretty great place to be adventurous for anything. Do you consider yourself a foodie? No. Okay. <laughs> Just ahead, we'll enlist the help of a bona fide expert in the best desserts in New York City to test your mastery in the subject with our expert-level question worth up to three points. But before that, to let you show your love, here are five trivia questions about the topic, each worth one point. Now, if you want it, you are allowed to hint for any two of these five questions. Now, Scott, do listen closely, because right. if Stacy answers incorrectly and you know the correct answer, you can steal. Steal Scott. that pie off her sill. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Float in on the, yeah. on the scent waves. Mm. Uh, yeah. uh, no, I'm anxious, because the... now I've been like, I know every dessert, and I'm like, maybe I don't know every dessert. <laughs> Well, by the way, Scott, how much do you know about the best desserts in New York City? Well, you say you like pie? I do like pie. The McDonald's on 28th Street? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. You know, he's not joking. That hot yeah. apple pie it was that always hot too hot, pie. and I would burn and my And the one on 28th especially. Yes. Yeah. Do you remember when McDonald's used to have cherry pie? Yeah, and hot apple pie. Hot apple pie. They totally copied it from Drake's. Oh, Drake's. Come on, guys. Drake's. Those pancakes. Thank you. Stacy is leading the charge with one person against her. I did not know that. Uh, all right, here we go, Stacey London. Here's your first question about the best desserts in New York City. Okay. Number one, Serendipity 3 is famous for what oxymoron of a dessert that entices visitors to pay $12.95 at its location on East 60th Street? Well, Jay Keith, that would be the frozen hot chocolate. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. <laughs> the frozen hot chocolate spelled with three consecutive R's in frozen. Because it's Chili. Ah, <laughs> yes. By the way, right, it's worth every penny of that twelve ninety five. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, it really. Uh, is. That's what those extra R's are. For those extra five dollars. Uh, Stacy, here's question number two. What restaurant located on Flatbush Avenue in Brooklyn since 1950 is famous for its cheesecake? That would be Junior's. Helen. That is correct. That is correct. Junior's cheesecake. I would oh, also. Have- I would also just like to make one. Um, small variation in that, is that Junior's is really well-known for their cheesecake in the lighter variety. Mm -hmm. Should you be interested in Italian cheesecake, which is much heavier, then I highly recommend Venero's. 
Mm. All right, the audience seems to agree. I used to live upstairs from Veneros, and so I woke up every morning to the smell of like 500 pounds of butter. Yeah. And it was not good for me, guys. It was not good. <laughs> no, not healthy. All right, Stacey, you're doing very well. Here's question number three. What New York pastry chef is credited with inventing the cronut, which many say isn't even the best dessert at his namesake bakery in Soho? Because it isn't, and his name is Dominique Ansel. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. He was named the world's best pastry chef in 2017. What do you like from Dominique Ansel Bakery? Um, his sage-smoked brownies are quite fantastic. Ooh. Not as, not as catchy as Cronut, though, is no. it? No. No, It's always about, like, a mixed breed. Yeah. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like people like, my dog is a Morky. You know, yeah. it's like, it's not good enough to be a Maltese or a Yorkie. Mm. She's got to be a Morky. It's like, you can't be a croissant or a donut. You've got to be a cronut. Mm. You've got to be a mixed breed to make it in this world. Right. I've got a Morky right. named Mindy. Is, is this your way? <laughs> Stacey, you were three for three. Here's question number four. They get harder, right? Uh, they're they, supposed they to, better. but I don't, I don't know if we're going to stump you in any of these. Oh, gosh. At what rest, in fact, I know we will not because you were talking about this very topic backstage. (laughs) (laughs) Number four, at what restaurant chain will you find desserts made by MasterChef judge Christina Tosi? Milk Bar. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. That's Milk Bar. She's an idol of mine. Yeah. And now, just so you know, they do make gluten-free birthday cake truffles. Ooh, those are the best. That's right. Now they have—they actually have trademarked several names of their treats, including the crack pie, cereal milk, and compost cookies. And I can also say that crack pie is Anderson Cooper's favorite dessert. All right, Stacey, you have a chance to go five for five if you can answer this question correctly. About six blocks from where we're recording is a place where you can get a halva ice cream that Eater.com calls perfect and an easy classic. Name the place. You do have a hint available if you'd like it. Morgan Stearns. Helen? It is not Not Morgan Stearns. Stearns. I'm, I'm sorry. Fellas. Scott, a chance to steal. Can I take the hint? I don't know. <laughs> he doesn't get the hint. I don't no. get the hint. No, I don't know no. why Stacy didn't, though. It was no. a free hint, but I no, know, you cannot. I know, I don't know, but because I thought You're I so knew confident. it. You're so confident. ice cream. I've heard of this. Mm-hmm. Six blocks, Six blocks east, west, north. One of those, yes. What? Maybe two. Maybe two of those. I'm going to say... One of those Taiwanese places. <laughs> Helen, is it one of those Taiwanese places? Nope. No, Stacey, do you think you know it now? <laughs> I, I'm, well, I, I, six, Sundays and Cones? No, audience, anyone here know it? No. Odd uh, fellows? It is, they're, they're more well known for their smoked salmon. I was going to say Russ and Daughters. Daughters. This is Russ and Daughters. You know what? I know that. And yet you didn't say it, so I how would know. I know that you know? Yeah. Oh my God. My friend Jen, who works there, is going to be so mad at me. (laughs) I I had no idea that they had the Halloween. And it's so good. I can't. I'm so upset with myself. You stumbled on that one, but you did very well in that category. And now it is time for your expert level question that requires multiple answers. It's time for your cluster fact. Thank you, Helen. Wait, the the oh. correct response is ooh, but we'll take your applause as well. Ooh. Thank you. This question is so high level, we'll be bringing on an expert to assess your response. The answer is worth up to three points. Here we go. Stacy. Yes. a bakery in New York became famous after the characters in a popular TV show ate there in an episode. It became famous again when it was seen in a music video from another TV show that went viral. And the bakery sustained its fame due to its popular red velvet cupcakes and banana pudding. For up to three points, name the bakery and the two TV shows in which it famously appeared. Magnolia Bakery. Mm-hmm. Sex in the City. Mm-hmm. I don't know the second one. Want to just name a favorite TV show? Make it lucky. Would you say music Friends. 
and friends. All right, Helen is taking note of those answers. We have an expert on hand who can tell us for sure. Helen, who do we have here today? Here with us today, we have the Director of Culinary Training for Magnolia Bakery. It's Krista LaTrenta. Krista LaTrenta, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Welcome, Krista. Have a seat there. Krista, how did, first of all, what do you do as the director of culinary training? Sure. So um, as the director of culinary training, I do recipe testing, research and development, recruiting, training, hiring for all of our back of house staff um, for our nine stores nationwide and assisting, sorry, with recipe testing and staffing and training for our franchise locations as well. I, I am available. <laughs> yes. You're hired. Testing for R&D. So. You're ready. You're hired. Not, not much in the way of gluten-free, dairy-free, soy-free, but uh, yeah. lots but, of kosher stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Everything. Kosher. But, the, but there are just bags of sugar you can just give to yeah, Stacey. Yeah, right? okay. totally. A 50-pound bag of Domino. Food. Can I just uh, say, I'm a huge fan of the flavored banana puddings you've been doing. Lately. Oh, thanks. Oh, my God, the peanut butter Thank one. You. The oh, as well. Thank you. Jeez. Uh, no. How many, how many locations does Magnolia have? And, and uh, there's some interesting ones around the world as well. Yeah, so we have nine in the U.S., um, one in Chicago, one in L.A. We just opened one in Boston. We're opening in D.C. later this year, um, next month, actually. Ooh. So that's exciting. And we have six in New York City, plus a production facility, which does wholesale catering, special events, and wedding cakes. And also uh, other places outside the U.S., right? Yeah, we have a bunch in the Middle East. We have about 19 franchise locations. Where, um, in the Middle East? Yeah, a lot in the Middle East. Jordan, Kuwait. Um, what? They're yeah, people too, Helen. They like desserts. <laughs> they love us. They love the desserts. obsessed with sex in the city, right? Yeah. That's oh, well, actually, that's our uh, our Asian market, Asian is obsessed market. with sex in the city. Oh. Yeah. And how did you get the gig as oh, the director of culinary training? <laughs> so I actually was the company's first intern. Um, when oh, I nice. when I was still in college, I was an intern at our Rockefeller Center location as a cake decorator. And when I graduated, I said I wanted to go back and be a front of house manager. And they they took a risk. They said we don't usually hire people right out of college. And I was like, I can do it, I think. And so they hired me. And, <laughs> and it was that kind and of confidence. Yeah, uh, yeah, that was it. They were like, we see something in you. Yeah. Uh, you have a BPS in Bakering and Pastry Arts Management from the Culinary Institute of America. What is a BPS? And uh, what did you learn there that you weren't expecting to, to know going in? Sure. So a BPS is a Bachelor of Professional Studies in Baking and Pastry Arts Management. I thought Ooh. it was banana pudding. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yes. Banana, banana pudding banana studies. studies. Yeah. Banana pudding studies. And, and did you major in muffins? Or? I did. I, I majored in muffins, minored in cupcakes. Okay. <laughs> My minor was what really paid off, clearly. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, at college, I guess I learned a lot about patience. Mm -hmm. That is something that is... <laughs> you need in this industry. Um, How, tell us a little bit more about that. Sure. So training and teaching is my forte with Magnolia um, and training people from all walks of life, all different backgrounds, especially when you're training a franchise team, people who don't necessarily speak English or aren't totally comfortable with um, our culture. So it really takes a lot of patience to train people from Sugar scratch. Sugar is a universal language, guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do you make desserts at home, or is it sort of like a busman's holiday for you? Um, my family will tell you that I do not bake for them at home. Oh. <laughs> and do you give them a, a family discount? Sometimes. Oh, okay. All right. All right. <laughs> Sometimes. Sometimes. Uh, what is your favorite of the Magnolia treats? Oh, we make a blueberry jamboree that I yes. die for. Yeah. The and blueberries on top of yes. the bar? Oh, it's so good. And in, in August, which is... Obviously, next month, I don't know if you know, um, we do a peach jamboree, which has fresh peach filling instead of the blueberry filling that goes on top of uh. the jamboree. Oh, my gosh. Well, for, I should explain it for those who don't know. So it's a pecan shortbread crust with a whipped cream cheese filling and then 
fresh fruit topping. I'm sweating. Oh my goodness. What is it like that when you talk, people salivate? Uh, I I don't know. I mean, I guess it's like if someone was describing pasta to me, which feels great. (laughs) That's your your weakness. Um, All right, well, let's get to the reason that we brought you here today as far as our game goes. You heard the question that we asked Stacy. We wanted to know, what is this famous bakery? Helen, what did Stacy say? Stacy said Magnolia Bakery. And is that correct? That is correct. That is correct. It is a Magnolia Bakery. One point. Uh, we also wanted to know the two TV shows that f- heavily featured Magnolia Bakery. Uh, Helen, what did Stacy say was the first one? Stacy said Sex in the City. And Krista? That is correct. That is correct. Another point for Stacy. And Helen, what did Got you it. say was the second TV show to feature it in a music video that went viral? Stacy said Friends. And Krista? That is not correct. No, not correct. Uh, I didn't no. know you said music video. I've got to be honest. I thought you said TV show. But it was a TV show. No, it is a TV show, but there was a music video that took place at Magnolia. Oh. What, was that, uh, what was that television show? That show was Saturday Night Live. Saturday that, Night Live. That's Sorry. right. Their, their very first uh, SNL digital short, mm-hmm. and it had a section in it Sunday. where they went to Magnolia Bakery, and you showed them eating the, the red velvet uh, cupcake. That definitely was we an did. expert question for sure. Yeah. I mean, I don't watch a digital short from, I don't right. know a digital I mean, it short. Had you know, lazy millions of views, right. but it, uh, that's fine. No, yeah, no, this, but this was not me. Yeah. Well, I, 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 to be fair, I believe I did preface it both in the show and in the email to you that this would be an expert level question. You did, in yeah. fact, say You're not that. complaining, you're just confirming. I'm just confirming. Okay, that is very, very difficult. Question. Yes. Well, that's why we brought on our expert. Stacy, is there anything that you would like to ask Kristen now that you have her here? Yeah, I want to know what happens when you run out of banana pudding. Okay. So, <laughs> in the bakery, if they run out of pudding, I usually call the store and say, why did you run out of banana pudding? I need a list of reasons why you ran out of pudding, how oh. you can prevent this problem from happening again, oh. and then they're not allowed to run out of pudding. <laughs> um, that's, I mean, that's really the thing. I mean, banana pudding is one thing that they really cannot ever run out of. It's wow. our most popular item. It's our best-selling item. So it's is what there like a red for. phone under a glass what? dome that people have to pick up? <laughs> Get me Krista! That's, yeah. that's what it, no, they're like, they have, They are sad when I call. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be afraid. If I'm, yeah, if yeah. I'm so calling, they're well like, oh no. you never hear from Krista. Yeah. Okay. The In terms of I banana pudding. Because it is, I know that it is the mainstay dessert at Magnolia, and I have seen people around mm-hmm. the block wait to get into Magnolia. It's so really I can good. imagine there's like rioting in the streets. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Should you run out of banana pudding? Yeah. They riot everywhere I on Instagram. On, I, I've yeah. described the banana pudding. It's like, it's like eating a kitten. It's like eating just a fluffy Aww. little kitten. No, no, not like a real kitten, oh. but like the satisfaction of playing and holding a fluffy kitten, except you're eating it. Uh, you know, we're, that's that's actually we were gonna put that on our website. Yeah, I was gonna say that. But we, we were just like, yeah. we're, uh, we're not sure. You can use that absolutely. Yeah. Magnolia Bakery, it's like eating a kitten. Uh, people want to find you or find uh, more of what you do, where can they go? Um, you can go to magnoliabakery.com. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks. Crystal DeTrenta. Thank you. Helen, let's get a score recap after the end of that round. At the end of that round, Stacy London has eight points, and Scott Rogowski has one point with a round of questions coming up. That's right. We're going to talk with Scott about a topic he knows about. Plus, later, Scott and Stacy will go head-to-head in our Fast Facts round to find a winner on Go Fact Yourself. And now a word from our alternate sponsor. Hey, Helen, we always end the show with a true or false round. You want to play? True. Okay. I mean, sure. Sure, great. All right. All right, here, true or false? Our guest, Stacey London, was quoted in a New York Times article about leggings. True. That same article featured a quote from clothing maker XCVI. True. Most leggings are unflattering. 
True. But XCVI makes leggings with mostly woven cotton fabrics. True. So XCVI gives women the comfort of leggings or sweats, but provides more structure. True. This includes XCVI's Jetter Crop Legging, their bestseller. True. And finally, you can order all of XCVI's leggings at XCVI.com. True. Wow, congratulations, Helen. You got them all right. Yay! So weird that there were no false answers in there. Yeah, that is weird. <laughs> and you can't make a false fashion move if you go to XCVI.com. <laughs> That is what we call writing. <laughs> XCVI, fashion you can live in. Thank you, XCVI. I listen to reading glasses because Bria and Mallory have great tips. You're a comics reader and you want to use a library connected app, you can try out Hoopla. I listen for the author interviews. I'm mad at myself that I waited as long as I did to start reading Joan Didion. They give me reading advice I didn't even know I needed. If you go in person to an event and go up to an author or a filmmaker or anybody and tell them what they you don't like about their work, you're a trash baby. I, look, I understand you didn't like Heroes Season 3. That's fine. I, like, <laughs> I don't actually need to know that information. I'm Brea Grant. And I'm Mallory O'Mara. We're Reading Glasses, and we solve all your bookish problems every Thursday on Maximum Fun. Welcome back to Go Fact Yourself, where our score is Stacey London with eight points and Scott Rogowski with one point. Once again, here's J. Keith Van Stratton. Thank you, Helen. Thank you, everybody. Scott, of your many interests, you told us you know a lot about the TV show Seinfeld, Woody Allen movies, and minor league baseball from 1994 to 2002. Today, we're going to ask you about Woody Allen movies. Okay. <laughs> uh, tell us a little bit more. Why Woody Allen? How did you get into it? What's your favorite? I mean, he's just the funniest. You know, I, you know. Look, I know it's a, the, the divisive figure these days, but mm -hmm. you well, have we're just to, here to talk about his work. I'm here to talk about his work, which you know you can't. It's there, and mm -hmm. and people have attachments to it, and they have feelings for it, and you can't like erase that. So, um, I just think his his. I mean, Annie Hall was such a transformative movie for me. It's it's romantic. It's hilarious. It's got these visual gags. It's so bizarre when you think about it. It won Best Picture. I mean, but it's just. You know, the, the subtitling, and he, we're going flashbacks to his childhood. He's dressed like a rabbi. I mean, there's so many weird things that happen in the movie. It's such a non-conventional movie, but it has that conventional structure, and I, I, it, it really um, it opened, my, opened my eyes to his, his further genre. And, and by the way, do you do a Woody Allen impression? I, I mean, I shot a moose. I, I was hunting upstate New York, and I shot a moose. And I strapped it to the hood of my car. And I'm driving down the West Side Highway. And the moose wakes up. And I can do the whole monologue, but I'm yeah. not going to wow. do it. So, so no. <laughs> no. Oh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> All right. Uh, just ahead, we're going to enlist the help of a bona fide expert in Woody Allen movies to test your mastery in this subject with our expert-level question worth up to three points. But before that, to give you a chance to show off, here are five trivia questions about the topic, each worth one point. Now, if you want it, you're allowed a total of two hints among these five questions. Now, Stacy, do listen closely, because you can steal if Scott gets any of them wrong. Stacy, by the way, how much do you know about Woody Allen movies? Almost nothing. All right. <laughs> this will be fun. Uh, all right, here we go. Number one, Scott Rogowski. Woody Allen's 1966 directorial debut was not a typical Woody Allen picture. In fact, he didn't shoot a frame of it, instead dubbing dialogue over an existing Japanese film. What was Woody's film called? What's up, Tiger Lily? Helen? That is correct. That is correct. One point for Scott. Uh, the original Japanese movie, do you happen to know that title? Oh, 
boy. It was called Key of Keys. Okay. Key of Keys. That's all right. By the way, it is the only movie he directed with a question mark in the title. Mm. Hmm. Punctuation, y'all. <laughs> Number two. Woody Allen has written several shows that played on Broadway, but only one of his movies has been adapted into a Broadway musical. Which one? Oh, uh, adapted to Broadway musical. Bullets over Broadway. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. Bullets over Broadway. He received a Tony nomination in 2014 for Best Book of a Musical. Number three, seven performers have won Oscars for acting in Woody Allen movies. Who is the most recent? You do have a hint available if you'd like it. Um, most recent? Or you can go the Stacy route and just... Uh, yeah, I'll take the hint. I'll Helen, the how hint. about that hint? She won the Oscar oh. in 2014 for a movie in which Woody Allen did not appear. Yeah, well, Kate Blanchett from Blue Jasmine. Helen? That is correct. That is correct, Kate Blanchett. Uh, number four, Scott. Woody Allen's movies have made a huge mark on the culture, but not usually a big mark at the box office. In fact, only two movies he directed have grossed over $100 million when adjusted for inflation. Name them. Hmm. I want to say Midnight in Paris. Mm -hmm. um, all right, I'll take the hint. Helen, how about that second hint? They both co-starred Diane Keaton. All right, so it's not Midnight in Paris. So maybe you... So Annie Hall and... Um, I guess Annie Hall in Manhattan. Helen? That is correct. That is correct, Scott. Excellent use of the hint. Good use of the hint. His biggest box office hit, though, has been Ants, the animated movie that he provided a voice uh, yeah. by what? far. Yeah, it's made much more money than anything else he's he done. He was an ant? He was an ant. Yes. He was, uh, he was ant. Yeah. Me neither. Yeah. He was an ant. Yeah. He was, the G he was the Jewish ant. He was the Jewish ant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Jewish ant. <laughs> Like my Aunt Sherry. Yeah. Yeah, not, not the carpenter ant, the, the yeah. accountant ant. Yeah. 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 Uh, all right, you are four for four, Scott. Let's see if you can go five for five. Number five, Scott, in addition to his full-length movies, Woody Allen wrote, directed, and starred in a segment of a 1989 anthology movie. Name the title of the movie and the title of Woody Allen's segment. I mean, uh, 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 I'm thinking like Twilight Zone movie, but there's no way... <laughs> That would have been fun. Anthology movie. Yeah. I, I, a movie. It was in theaters. I, mm -hmm. I, I'm going to have to um, just, I don't know. He I'm doesn't know. All right. Uh, You're starting to sound like Woody Allen. Yeah, a little bit. All right, Stacey, you have a chance to steal. <laughs> <laughs> Star Wars. What, Helen, <laughs> Helen, was it that famous anthology movie, Star Wars? <laughs> No, no, this was tough. Uh, the movie was called New York Stories. <gasps> and the segment was called Oedipus Rex, W-R-E-C-K-S, yeah. Oedipus Rex. Uh, fun fact, the other directors That's were Martin hard. Scorsese and Francis Ford Coppola. Wow. All right, but you still did very well in that segment, Scott. Very nice. Yeah, sure. And now, Scott, here's your expert-level question yeah. that requires multiple answers. It's time for your cluster fact. Ooh. They're, they're getting it. They're getting it a little bit. Uh, we'll be bringing on an expert to assess your response. The correct answer is worth up to three points. Annie Hall was an amazing film with an amazing cast and some amazing cameos. For up to three points, name the three people in Annie Hall who appear as themselves. As themselves? Okay, because I was going to say, like, Paul Simon as Tony Orlando and uh, Jeff Goldblum makes it. Sure. As themselves. Okay, Marshall McLuhan. Got no more hints on this one, right? Yeah, no hints, sorry. Shoot. All right, well, I... I uh, you can just pull two names from that yeah, era you think might have been. Yeah. I mean, famous. can't you give me credit for Paul Simon and Jeff Goldblum? That is not fair. Oh, no. Some famous 70s people. I know. I mean, he doesn't... Dick Cavett's not in the movie, right? He doesn't go. That's like Forrest Gump. 
He goes on Dick Cavett. Might as well show. say it. You never know. Okay, uh, I'll say Dick Cavett, and I'll okay. say uh, Marshall Brickman might be a extra. <laughs> she co-wrote it. I'll say those three. Those three. So what was the third one again? Marshall Brickman, Dick Cavett, and Marshall McLuhan. All right, Helen is noting your answers. We have an expert on hand who can tell us for sure. Helen, who do we have here today? Here with us today via Skype from his home in Ridgefield, Connecticut, a man who's interviewed Woody Allen many times and who appeared with him in the film Annie Hall, broadcasting legend Dick Cavett. Dick Cavett. Hello, Mr. Cavett, are you there? Well, I'm fine. How are you? Okay. Mr. Cavett, we are not doing What's My Line anymore. You do not need to disguise your voice. That's my, that's my British governess phone answering voice. <laughs> All right. Wow. Very good. Hello, Mr. Cavett. Thank you so much for joining us. Well, you can call me Mr. Dick. All right. <laughs> now, now, in fact, uh, Scott, you and Mr. Cavett are acquainted. That's right. Hello, Richard Alva Cavett. Oh, I'm catching on now. By the way, our, the phone quality deteriorated suddenly after, right after we began. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. I thought we were talking about, I thought we were talking about Steve Allen. <laughs> <laughs> no, but are you bigger we're than a bread box? Anything up. Yeah. No, again, again, we are not doing what's my line, but I do appreciate that. Uh, Scott, tell us how well, you yes, and Mr. Cavett uh, know each other. Well, I mean, Mr. Cavett is, is one of my heroes as well in, in, in the comedy world, and I solicited him to appear on my talk show running late uh, not once but twice he's appeared twice and I was forever grateful yeah and actually uh, Mr. Cavett I've done th this is now the third different format of a show that I've done in New York and uh, you have been kind enough to appear on all three of them so I thank you very much He's the best. He's the best. Generous. And the best show. The Dick Cavett show is the best show ever. Yeah. Now uh, uh, Dick how did you first meet Woody Allen? Strangely the day the great the great playwright and author who was Groucho Marx's god and many people, George S. Kaufman, died. And that same day, I was sent to the Blue Angel to see a young comedian. And it turned out that the young comedian came on stage, but he sort of stood so the mic, which was a slightly wide old CBS mic, blocked most of his face. And he didn't seem to want to be there. <laughs> I learned later, he said that most nights, this was his first gig as a stand-up comic. What? And he said, I usually throw up before going on, fortunately before. Um, <laughs> Not during. Yeah. And he said, I listen out here in the foyer or whatever when the audience comes out, and the typical remark that I hear is, the guitar player was just great, but <laughs> that comedian, ugh, that comedian. And it, it takes guts to keep going on stage <laughs> Like that, but as we know, he finally defeated the nerves and just bothered to become a legend. And uh, why do you think that you two hit it off so well? Because the the, the rapport between the two of you on your your talk shows are, are it's just it's just magical. Getting him to improvise scenes and and, and just the, the the quick talk that you had. What, why do you think it worked so well? I don't know, but we hit it off right away that night. Mm -hmm. And um, of course. Uh, He's from Brooklyn, and I'm from Nebraska, so we're destined to be friends. <laughs> uh, it's great, because you can see a lot of these interviews and, and uh, episodes of your classic show on TV now. It's airing uh, over the air. Yeah, they're on uh, the Decades Network, and strangely, people who adored the show when they were in high school or college back then now have kids in high school or college who are getting hooked on it. And, and glad to see what their parents kept telling them they were 
deprived that they'd never seen. They're such a great so, time. Yeah, the Decades Network. You, some people have to get a little special antenna to get mm -hmm. the Decades Network. Right? Yeah, so, yeah, but it's free, mostly, which is great. Yeah. It's well, mostly available. Yeah, so there's a project that you're working on now for next year. Tell us about that. It's a special, I guess you'd call it a documentary as well. It has a lot of features. But it's um, Muhammad Ali and Dick Cavett together again. Hmm. Um, because as a, this guy named Robert Bader, who brilliantly put the thing together, is in charge of my tapes and what's done with them. And he noticed that Ali had been on my show more than a dozen times. Ali became a great friend of mine. The way you make a friend, not in show business, but just, we were oddly matched and became kind of buddies. And uh, once he stayed in my house out in Montauk, Mandalong Island, because he was shooting a documentary and he was leaving shooting off the cliff they were shooting on. And he said, where are you going? He said, back to my motel. And I don't like it. And I said, stay at my house. While he was in the big bed, the phone rang, and it was my wife calling from New York. I wasn't there because I had gone to pick up Ali's wife. So it was Ali alone, phone rings, a voice says, darling. And Ali said, this ain't darling. He's the only three-time heavyweight champion of the world, and I'm lying in your bed, and I'm watching your TV. <laughs> Oh, my God. And luckily, she, well, my wife was hip enough to be able to say, well, Mr. Ali, I shall certainly put a plaque on that bed. <laughs> <laughs> Which she never offered to do for me. But anyway. Yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> uh, Mr. Cavett, I could talk with you all afternoon, but we do have to get to the reason that we brought you here today as far as our game is concerned. Uh, you heard the question that we asked Scott. We wanted him to name the three people in Annie Hall who appear as themselves. Helen, remind everyone of the first answer that Scott gave us. Scott said Marshall McLuhan. And Dick Cavett, is that correct? McLuhan, yeah, yeah. He was, he's the one that Woody pulled out when the guy was pontificating in the movie line and saying, well, that's crazy, and that's not... I happen to have Marshall McLuhan <laughs> yeah, right, right here. Yeah, great scene. You know nothing of my work. Woody yeah. was thinking of getting Orson Welles for that, but then a lot of other people. But McLuhan was perfect. He was. All right, so that's um, one point for Scott. Now, do you, want, do, you want me to, do you want me to supply another name? I'm sorry, say again, sir? Oh, okay, this person that I will soon name mm -hmm. on the David Susskind show, if you're old enough, was asked, why do you hang out with beautiful people, the beautiful people like uh, Lee Radziwill? And this guest said, well, he's very beautiful and very fun and attractive, and that's why I like very much. Truman Capote? Scott, do you know who it is now? Truman Capote? Did, did, Truman Capote, Mr. Cavett? <laughs> That's correct. It was no, Truman Capote. Wayne. Oh, wait. John Wayne. <laughs> we got all sorts of impressions. My, my imitations are a little off. Yeah. Yeah. Truman was Tru the other one. Truman is it? And, so and that and, you, and, and Truman, and we need to fill the third gap. Yes. Um, the name is right on the tip of my tongue. <laughs> um, oh, Richard. Richard, Richard Cavett. Richard Cavett. That's right. It was Dick Cavett who played himself in it. Another point for Scott. Uh, a, a fun fact about Truman how Capote. Much, uh, oh, sorry. How much money do I win? <laughs> <laughs> the same as everybody else is getting tonight. Uh, the fun oh, good. The, the, the fun part about the Truman Capote appearance, it's a very brief moment where he's walking, uh, he's walking on the street and he sees someone and he makes a joke about, oh, that guy came uh, runner-up in the Truman Capote lookalike contest. And that was actually ah. Truman Capote. 
Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, you, I don't know if you know this historic moment, but Groucho proposed marriage to Truman on my show. <laughs> I don't remember that. So it's a non-speaking And role. Groucho was wearing that great golf hat that he had that sure. had three little yeah. figures on it with golf clubs and three knitted golf balls on the top of the hat. So when he proposed marriage to Truman, Truman said, I could never marry a man who has three balls. So there we are. There we are. Excellent. There are so many wonderful stories. We're certainly happy that you joined us, Mr. Dick Cavett, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, Joe. Thank you. Helen, let's get a score recap as we go into our final round. At the end of that round, Stacey London has eight points and Scott Rogowski has seven points. Oh, very close game. You both did very well in your categories. Oh, Truman Capote. Truman Capote, he doesn't speak in them, right? He's walking he by. They're, 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 they're walk, right. watching people. He, that's, I didn't take a hint, yeah. okay? I but didn't I, even would, use my would, hint. Scott, though, would you agree that that was an expert-level question? That was definitely an expert-level question. Okay, yes. good. So hopefully we treated each of you yes. equally. Yes. Uh, all right, now it is time for a final round we call Fast Facts. I will read ten statements and each contestant will answer with true or false. I'll start with Stacey and alternate between each guest. Each correct answer is worth one point. This will determine the winner. And again, the answer to each statement is true or false. Here we begin. Stacy, there are more Dunkin' Donuts in New York than in Los Angeles. True. Correct. Hundreds more, in fact. Scott, there are more Shake Shacks in Los Angeles than in New York City. False. Correct. That's right. Stacy, there is an Eataly Marketplace in Los Angeles. True. Correct. Scott, there is a Los Angeles neighborhood named Little New York. False. Correct. Stacy, before coming to Broadway, the musical Hamilton premiered in Los Angeles. False. Correct. Scott, the borough of Brooklyn has a greater population than the city of Los Angeles. False. Correct. Stacy, in the last 30 years, Los Angeles hockey teams have won more Stanley Cups than New York hockey teams. True. Correct. That's right, two to one. Scott, Griffith Park in Los Angeles is bigger than Central Park in New York. False. Incorrect. No, it's nearly oh. five times as big. Stacy, recreational marijuana is legal in New York City. False. Correct. Yeah, what a bummer, man. I know. Tell uh, me about it. <laughs> and finally, Scott, recreational marijuana is legal in Los Angeles. True. Correct. Yeah, it is, right? Uh, let's give a nice hand to both of our guests while Helen calculates uh. the final score. <laughs> Helen, are you ready? to announce the final score in today's episode. I am. At the end of the game, Stacy London has 13 points and Scott Rogowski has 11 points. Okay. Stacy London, you are the acting champion on Go Fact Yourself. I so wanted to win. <laughs> Stacy, what will you do with your championship? Uh, my 13 points? Uh, unclear. Unclear. I don't know. I'm going to go get some dessert. Yeah, yeah you're, I think you're we gonna all take are. me as a consolation. Yeah, all right. Uh, before we go, we just want to give everyone on the show a chance to promote any upcoming products appearances or services. Scott, anything you'd like to plug? At Scott Rogowski on Instagram and Twitter and my running late with Scott Rogowski show will be coming back in the fall to New York. So look out for those dates. I don't have them yet. He doesn't have them yet, but he's a lot of charm. He's Mr. Scott Rogowski. Uh, Stacey London, anything you want to mention where people can find you? Uh, well, I am working on that book mm -hmm. that I was talking about called The Evolutionary Woman. Um, but yes, please follow me. I feel like I'm just such a sad social media person. So I'm Stacey London Real on Instagram, and I'm Stacey London on Twitter, and I'm never on Facebook, so don't bother. <laughs> don't bother, but I'm glad you bothered to join us today. Stacey London, Thank wonderful you. to have you. Yay. Ladies and gentlemen, you are very, very lucky people because your co-host is Ms. Helen Hong. <laughs> What do you have going on, my friend? You can follow me on all the socials at Funny Helen Hong, because some other biatch named Helen Hong has my handles. <laughs> but I'm the funny.
anyone. Yes, she is. Hong. Helen Hong, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, and me, you can find me on uh, Twitter at J underscore Keith and on Instagram at jkeith.net, all spelled out. That just leaves me to thank Scott Rogowski, Stacey London, Krista Latrenta, Dick Cavett, and Helen Hong. Please like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at GoFactorPod, and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. I'm J. Keith Van Stratton. Goodbye. <laughs> Like what you hear? Come see us live. Go to GoFactorPod.com for schedule and tickets. And give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Go Fact Yourself is a panel quiz program devised by Jim Newman and J. Keith Van Stratton and comes to you via transcription from Caveat in New York City. Questions on Go Fact Yourself were compiled by the Trivia Industrial Complex. It is produced in collaboration with Maximum Fun. Go Fact Yourself's theme song and incidental music were written and performed by Jonathan Green. Maximum Fun's senior producer is Laura Swisher. The show is edited by Julian Burrell. Special thanks to Ben Lilly, Anne Houston, Paula Pickrain, Maya Cates, and all the staff here at Caveat. Carly Hogan-Dyke, Tucker Mitchell, Krista Wozniak, Robert Galinsky, Sherry Hazlitt, Lisa Troland, Raven Snook, Spencer Marks, Leora Saul, Dave McKeever, and Daniela Zeltzer. I'm Helen Hong! <laughs> Yay! MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.